We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. Blue Wire. The Chicago Bulls select Kobe White. Levine with the runway! Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We're on the Blue Wire Network. We're brought to you by Indeed and Bet Online. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. As always, I'm here with Jason Pat. Jason, the Bulls are underway in the preseason. They've played two games so far, both against the Houston Rockets. The first game was an absolutely abysmal effort by the Bulls. They lost that one 125 to 104. The second game was on Sunday night. Bulls looked a little bit better in that game with some uh, better performances from their starters. And then an impressive run in the fourth quarter. They outscore the Rockets 31 to 12. Patrick Williams was on the floor for that. Uh, It was mostly a lot of bench guys, but the Bulls did take control of the preseason game in the fourth quarter. Uh, So the Bulls are one and one after two preseason games. But that's not the only news going on with the team right now. Yeah, obviously, besides the Bulls being back uh, on the court, we actually did just br- news broke like about an hour ago about Noah Vonley, who was part of this group of players who like mysteriously missed Sunday's game. And obviously, during these times, the, the automatic assumption you make is that it's, it is COVID related. Uh, like the Bulls are kind of sketchy about it. It's been kind of just like, weird around the league. Like it, it's like almost obvious. Like like they, I think they were regarded as excused absences. It was like. Tomas Sadoransky, I think Devin Dotson, uh, a couple of their, I think Luke Cornett. So just like a, a host of guys missed this last game, this last game on Sunday with excuse absences. This is Garrett Temple tested positive. He hasn't joined the team yet. Uh, and then, so it just came out an hour ago that Noah Vonley did test positive for COVID and now he's going to get waived. He came out with a statement through Chris Haynes uh, that he is getting waived and just, like obviously very unfortunate timing where he was at a non-guaranteed deal. So not totally sure if he would have made the team. Anyways, he did play in that first game. He did play over Felicio uh, in that first game. 
Uh, Felicio did play in the second game with all these guys out. But, like, you do wonder, like, if he possibly would have had a chance to make the roster. Again, they would have had to have cut somebody, whether that be maybe Luke Cornett, whether they dump Felicio somehow. But, I mean, they they brought him back on this non-guaranteed deal. He got some time in that first game. I know it was mostly a blowout. But, I mean, it, it just, like, it seems super cold. Like, again, he might have been waived anyways. But because he has to go into this quarantine, I believe it's a 10-day quarantine, like, he wouldn't have been able to play in the Bulls' last two couple preseason games. So now he's just gone. Maybe they're doing it so he can maybe get another shot somewhere. But, I mean, he can't do anything right now. So it's not like he can go sign somewhere right away. Uh, like I said, I don't know if they actually did like him or maybe were considering giving him a full roster spot, guaranteeing his deal. I believe his contract would have been guaranteed basically right on the start of the season, which is December 22nd. So it was kind of really brutal timing for Noah Vaughn. Like I said, I'd, ultimately, like it's not like he was going to play. Or hopefully he wouldn't have played like, a big role if he did make the team. But just... I had a super unfortunate situation and just kind of the highlighting the weirdness of the season, just the way everything was just so like murky yesterday and how the bulls just like, weren't really telling anybody about what was actually happening. And now we find this out. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And uh, like you said, you know, Vonley, you also got Cornette Dotson. We know Garrett Temple has already had COVID Sadoransky. We don't really know what's up with Adam Makoka right now either. Right. In both of the games, he's been marked as DNP, not with team. So, yeah, you assume. So there's <laughs> a lot of uncertainty. And this is what was always going to happen when the league decided not to do a bubble. And I don't really know why they decided not to do a bubble. If it had something to do with, like, you know, getting the venue secured, if they're going to do the bubble again, did it have something to do with TV contracts? Uh, did the players just not want to agree to it, to go to a bubble for five months instead of, you know, last time it was two or three months for some teams? Uh but this was always going to happen. And we've seen it happen in the NFL. We saw it happen in baseball teams this year. The the biggest deciding factor in the regular season is going to be who catches COVID and who doesn't. And the thing that is just so sad is it's not just the players who are putting themselves at risk. It's like they're going city to city. They're traveling all around. There's an entire economy just around the NBA. Those people are not making millions of dollars and those people are oftentimes super vulnerable to these situations of getting sick. So, uh, you know, seeing the way that COVID has decimated, uh, you know, the other sports that have tried to return without a bubble, I'm just wondering, like, why didn't the NBA return to a bubble? And the biggest issue here is not canceled games. It's people die. We're still seeing as many people die each day, like up to, what, 2,500 people die yeah, uh, in, in recent days, the same number as 9-11. So, that's the severity of the problem right now. And I don't know, man. It's like as soon as the NBA decided not to do a bubble, you knew this was going to happen. The league is just kind of like accepting it. They're hoping to be saved by the vaccine, sort of just like the rest of society right now. But even like the idea of the vaccine coming at some point this season, like that's just going to be another huge news cycle as it pertains to the NBA. It's going to be about, you know, players having access to the vaccine before yeah, a lot of normal right people, you're going to have a lot of players or at least some players who aren't going to want to take the vaccine. You're going to have guys who already had COVID who are now going to be like, well, I have the antibodies. I'm not getting the vaccine. So, you know, all of this really could have been helped by just doing another bubble. And it's like the NBA got so much damn praise from around the rest of the sports world for pulling off the bubble. They basically showed everyone else how to do it at the same time. Like, you know, 
two pitchers on the Indians are ha- are have to like drive home uh, from Chicago because they went to a bar. And the Denver Broncos played a game with literally no quarterbacks. They had to call up a wide receiver from the practice squad to play quarterback. Uh, and the NBA actually did it right, and they actually kept everyone safe. So why didn't they just go back to the bubble? I don't know. And to me, like the it's sort of hard to take this season at face value just because it's in the middle of a pandemic. And until the vaccine comes and is widely distributed and taken by everyone, uh, it's just like going to be the biggest thing interrupting this season in terms of like who's available to play, uh, you know, guys trying to return from it, maybe like some injury problems just from the condensed schedule because they're trying to squeeze in 72 games in a shorter time frame. Uh, So, yeah, man, like it's already affecting the Bulls by the second preseason game. They already have maybe an outbreak of COVID on the team. And I I don't know how you feel about it, Jason, but it's just sort of like to me, it just like totally overwhelms all the other basketball thoughts I have going into this season because it just it feels like such a compromised season. Yeah, it's just it's very super weird. And you mentioned the stuff about the vaccine. Obviously, that's starting the very first vaccines, I think today went out in the United States uh, and you do wonder like is the NBA going and like these other leagues going to get in the front of the line in terms of getting that or somehow like I'm not who, who knows you <laughs> I'm sure they'd like to keep that on the down low if they did um, and you mentioned like yeah, some guys might not want to take it like I wonder if they'll make that mandatory I'm not sure if they'll like that who knows yeah I mean it just definitely makes this I mean just super weird and bizarre and makes you feel kind of icky and who knows? And I know, I know, I mean, another big story over the weekend. We're, 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 I don't want to speculate too much here, but the, the Florida player who, oh my God, God. who collapsed on the court there, it is not sure. I, the article I read like an, an hour or two ago was that he was in a medically induced coma. It was not sure if he got, if he actually had COVID earlier, but I know there have been some like issues with like the heart uh, long-term issues. I can't, I can't say that like myocard. I, I, I don't even want to try to say it, but like you wonder if maybe there was something going on with him. So like you have that whole situation now, which is like, which should be like a huge story. This guy, this, like I like, hopefully obviously he pulls through, but like, this is like a, a really good college basketball player might die. Like is not out of the woods yet from possibly this. Like I said, I don't want to speculate too much because we don't have actual like full details here. But like it's just, it's just another scary thing. And I know there've been a couple other players throughout sports that I know while it doesn't affect most of these guys, seriously, there are a few guys where it just, it really, it, it sucked. It was really bad. I mean, even some other really good players have had some symptoms and they've talked about their experiences with it. And they said, hey, it was, it was bad. And I mean, I know, I know no, Mo Bamba it took a while for him to get, he's still getting his conditioning back. I know, I think he's mostly over it now, but it still like took, took him a while. So it's not like while most while younger people like us and these athletes like usually doesn't have much of an effect on them. It's still like it's not just like death versus being totally fine. Like there are there is a middle ground here with some of these symptoms and long term effects. So it definitely has uh, definitely is something to be to be worried about here. And they're going to try to do their best to your point about like why they didn't do another bubble. I do think a lot of it was probably just the players didn't want to do it again. Like they did it for so long and they were just like, we're not doing that shit again. I, that would be my guess. I'm not sure exactly, but I mean, obviously when they were doing those negotiations to start the season, they were talking, well, are we going to do like a Christmas start or are we going to do like later in January? Like there were even some, some thought about doing maybe starting even later, but I think what they ended up deciding was they don't want to do a bubble again because they just didn't want to, 
go through that again. And then they tr- they wanted to get it done, start the season earlier because of like they w- didn't they didn't want to conflict with the Olympics. I don't think they wanted it to run like into next football season again, and they wanted to get it more on back on like the normal NBA schedule. So instead of kind of waiting until maybe the vaccine was widely distributed, they just kind of pushed it all up for various reasons. Yeah, and, and all uh, those reasons should have yeah. been secondary to the fact that the virus is still killing a ton of people in the country. Yeah. It's killing more people than ever, right? Uh, certainly more than when they paused the league the first time in early March. So uh, it's going to be the biggest storyline of the season. And, you know, we'll see how like how quickly do we anticipate that the entire league is going to be vaccinated? You know what I mean? Right. Like, I don't know. Vaccine <laughs> news keeps coming out every day. And, you know, I, I'm still not totally sure, like what the timeline looks like uh, for the vast majority of the people. It sounds like March, vaccinated. April. I think Fauci was on. Uh, was saying today that hopefully March, early April for a wide distribution to most regular Americans that like don't have like underlying conditions and stuff like that. And you can already imagine a scenario where the league is like trying to cram people back into arenas for the playoffs. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Right. Because yeah. they're going to want to try to uh, get all the revenue they can. And I think with the vaccine, too, from what I've heard, like you're going to need multiple doses of it, uh, you know, so. That could take some time, too. Uh, it's it's the biggest story of the season. And, yeah, what happened with Keontae Johnson this weekend uh, at Florida is just so, so, so scary. The fact that I woke up on Sunday morning and there still wasn't an update, and I woke up on Monday morning and there still wasn't really an update on him, and then, you know, later in Monday afternoon, finally we got some news, and it's that he got transported from a hospital in Tallahassee to Gainesville and that uh, he's in a medical-induced coma, so... Uh, really scary stuff with Keontae Johnson. I've been thinking about it all weekend. Hopefully he can be okay. Uh, because, you know, if you think putting professional athletes through this, like unpaid college kids who are doing this, I mean, come yeah. on, totally exposes the whole system in ways that we've already known it was broken. So uh, we are going to talk some basketball, though. <laughs> we are. Podcast. Yeah. We're going to talk uh, about the Bulls' yeah. first two preseason games. Yeah, let's uh, before we get into these preseason games, let's uh, take a quick break and uh, hear from our sponsors. Indeed, and bet online. 2020 has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly, so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring only pay for what you need you can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts now indeed's new way of matching with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job it makes indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do 73 percent of online job seekers in the u.s are visiting indeed each month according to comscore total visits so it's clear indeed can help get you the quality hire you need that's why more than 3 million businesses worldwide use Indeed for hiring. So right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it and fast. So try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. So go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This offer is valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Football is back in full swing. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. 
BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can still get in on some bonuses. You can start off wagering on a variety of different football bets, future bets as well, all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today. Take full advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget that the promo code is BLUEWIRE, all one word, at BetOnline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, we're back. Uh, we're going to talk about the Bulls' first two preseason games. First one, Bulls look terrible. They lose 125 to 104. Second one, Bulls have a huge fourth quarter. They win 104 91. Uh, Jason, you wrote something up on some takeaways from this game. So, you know, we could do this in a, a few different ways, but I think a logical first place to start is with the point guard situation. The one bit of news we had. Uh, coming into the first preseason game is that Billy Donovan said he was going to give Kobe White the keys to the offense and that uh, Kobe was you know, likely going to be the primary ball handler and the de facto point guard. Uh, Billy Donovan also said that he was going to judge Kobe not just on how well he scored himself, but on how well the rest of the team was playing. And through the first two games, I think Kobe White as starting point guard remains a gigantic question mark coming into this season and is probably the the biggest reason why I think the Bulls are going to be really bad again this year. Yeah, I, I don't know if I would go totally that far, but I, I don't want to, yeah, I don't know. Because, like, the first game was obviously terrible. Uh, his, like, final numbers looked fine. Like, he had, like, 15 and 6. His shooting percentages were okay. But obviously the offense was terrible. The, he, John Wall absolutely roasted him. I mean, this was John Wall's first game. Like you want, you want to say, oh, the Bulls have been played in nine months. Like they're rusty. John Wall and Demarcus Cousins were coming off huge injuries, and he, John Wall hasn't played in two years. And John Wall came out and absolutely roasted Kobe White. And like I said, well, White White's overall numbers looked fine, and I think that's going to be the case a lot this year. Is where he'll his numbers will probably look fine. He'll put up twenty some points a game. He'll get a few assists, but that doesn't necessarily mean much. As you said, like that Donovan quote was really good about how. You know, I, I, I'll know Kobe will get his, but, like, I want you to judge him on how the team plays. And the team obviously did not play very well in that first game, and he missed missed some some plays. Just, like, he can he can make basic point pick-and-roll reads. And we saw – I thought he played a little better in that second game. Again, he shot well in that game, in game number two as well. He put up 20 points. He had four assists. He had some bad turnovers. He did some make some nice pick-and-roll reads. I had, there were some, I had some highlights in that bloggable post with his with – his, uh, some of the plays that he made, but yeah, I mean, it's going to come down, can come down to, can he run a high level offense? Can he make advanced reads and pick and roll and when making passes to guys? And I know, uh, I know like a, a guy, Will Gottlieb, I know I think Stefan, no, they've both, they both do like good highlight stuff on Twitter as games are going on. Uh, just kind of highlighting some of the stuff that he missed in terms of some, some reads. And that's just kind of, he's going to have to get better at it. He's going to be a work in progress. We knew that. And it's why we kind of wanted them to bring, maybe bring in another, veteran point guard. I know Sadoransky did better in uh, as a bench guy. I think he had something like six assists coming off the bench, kind of stabilized the offense a bit uh, in that first game before they just ended up getting wiped out again. But the, the starting unit was absolutely roasted in that first game, uh, but all like basically the entire team had like minus 20 or worse plus minuses. I, I get this. Again, this is against a Rockets team that with John Wall and Marcus cousins coming back from log emphasis, no James Harden, no PJ Tucker, no Christian Wood. So this is like this, that Rockets roster, the bulls played the first couple games was, was not good, not good at all. And like I said, Kobe white was fine. Like I see he, the dude is going to get buckets. His shot looks great. Uh, he made a few nice plays in terms of his passing, but overall, like 
I wouldn't say like I'm super encouraged. Like I think I guess it was kind of what I expected because even though the Bulls did win game two, they were still down uh, six going into the fourth quarter. And the Rockets played basically just their bum squad. They're like G League squad in the fourth quarter. And the Bulls took over that game and won it. But like if uh, I they were losing, I, I know like Zach and Kobe were better in that second game and they were both positives in the plus minus. And I know I don't want to go too much in a single game plus minus from a preseason game. But I mean, still overall, like, I wouldn't say I was super encouraged. Like we, like, it was basically kind of what we expected. Kobe and Zach shot well. They got buckets in terms of running an effective offense. Wasn't totally there, although that was not all on. I wouldn't say all of it was on Kobe White. We'll talk about this more in a bit with Wendell Carter missing shots. Lowry was absolutely atrocious in the second game after shooting pretty decently well in that first game. But Lowry was one of ten in the second game. Carter, it's good that he's shooting threes, but he's one of nine and he missed some chippies in that second game. So. Definitely a mixed bag out of Kobe White and just kind of the entire team in general with which with which oh I guess overall I just wasn't super encouraged. Yeah, it's been the biggest problem with the Bulls since they traded Jimmy Butler, right? Is they haven't had a guard yep. who can consistently make the right reads and right decisions every time down the floor. A lot of those opportunities fell to Levine last year. He wasn't very good at it. The Bulls finished 29th in offensive efficiency. So even though Zach put up some great numbers, you know, his impact on the team in terms of decision-making and playmaking, uh, it obviously wasn't that successful if they had the second-worst offense in the NBA. Kobe, I feel like it's the exact same thing. Like, Kobe can really score, and it's tough because I'm going to, like, be critical of Kobe here, but he has obviously very good scoring ability and, like, impressive yeah. shooting touch. He's super fast. He's good in transition. Uh, he has a lot of positives as a scorer, but having him be the point guard, you're just setting yourselves up. I keep thinking of the Orlando magic tweet where they congratulated Shelvin Mack on leading the team in assists with 3.8 assists per game. Like that's what the bulls are setting themselves up for. Where like Kobe's just not a natural facilitator. He's going to be at his best when he's looking for his own offense, his ideal roles at this point in his career and where he could like actually positively impact a team is just as like a bench scorer and a guy who you could play either on or off the ball in a variety of lineups, uh, I think that like having the playmaking duty fall to him though is that being the main facilitator is just going to be really difficult for the Bulls because I I just don't think that him or Levine quite frankly can really be counted on to initiate a uh, above average offense. So that's sort of where the Bulls are. So now the question is like, well, why don't you just let Kobe be the point guard uh, just to see what you have in him this year, right? Like the Bulls really are playing a season without. Uh, really any real stakes or expectations. So you might as well just see if Kobe is able to handle That's where the playmaking sure. burden. But then it's like, I mean, are we ever going to know how good Markinen is if you don't have someone who can give him the ball? And, you know, Markinen, we'll get to him too, but he was, you know, again, not very impressive. You already talked about Carter. Uh, offensively still doesn't look good. So uh, the the problem is bigger than just the playmakers. I think at this point, like you, it's worth being seriously critical about the offensive upside of Markinen and Carter. Like I've always loved Carter, but we have to see him make serious progress as an offensive. I mean, it's, he's got to make shots. I mean, he got I, he got it was progress that he was taking shot a bunch of these jumpers without hesitation. Yeah. Teams are going to give him these shots. He can't be like dicking around and turning them down and like. If he's got the open shots, he's got to fire. And he did do that in these first two games. But again, one of nine from three. Uh, I think he's something like 
I think he was three of 11 overall yesterday and he was one of seven overall. So that's, what is that? Four of 21. Am I doing that, that math right? So far shooting with almost half those shots were threes, but he also missed shots around the basket. Uh, he's got to, got to finish better as well. Like, I will say that the way that he has been used so far is what we've wanted. He's shooting more threes. They're using him, uh, at the high post and kind of using him as that hub of the offense at times. He made some nice passes in that game yesterday. He had a nice uh, backdoor cut past to Zach Levine for an easy dunk. Uh, we did see some Lowry. We saw Lowry Wendell pick and roll where Lowry drove to the basket and hit Wendell with a lob, like a legitimately great play. That's the kind of stuff we've been talking about. So the, in there, I feel like they've been in the position to at least uh, score. They just got to hit shots. I mean, Lowry was over five from three yesterday. Like, Every time I like, I still like when he shoots open threes. Like I always feel good about him shooting, but his percentages just aren't that good. And he's just got to make yeah. shots. And there, there's a point where I mean, you can't blame the playmakers for. I mean, you hit, you run a pick and roll with Larry Markin, and he's bricking wide open threes, and Carter doing the same thing. Like at some point, I, obviously you can make precision passes to the shooting pocket and all that, but at some point, these guys got to make open shots. And it comes, well, that's that's a big part. of The it. question is, how many good shooters do they actually have on this team? I think Zach right. definitely. Yeah. Obviously, above average NBA shooter. Kobe, uh, Kobe is as well. Kobe, I think, will be as well. But Carter's never shown any shooting ability. Like we said, we're just happy he's getting the attempts at this point. Uh, Porter, in his peak, was a good shooter for sure. He looked pretty good yesterday. He, he still has Sunday. a lot he was, to he was, prove, though, yeah. this season. And uh, I do think that, like, you know, the gap between Porter and the next best small forward on the team just remains absolutely massive. And him. Yeah, and he, Hutch, Hutch is. He just doesn't do anything offensively. I mean, he had a nice rebounding game yesterday. He's a solid defender, but he's just absolutely useless on offense. It's, he's good and it's in just issue, like, but he just yeah. sucks in the half court. Yeah, half court. Yeah, absolutely. But like, yeah, you like we're just watching even a preseason game yesterday against when they're playing against Scrubs and Chandler Hutchinson just can't do anything offensively. He just doesn't do anything <laughs> in the half court. And it's like, what do you do here <laughs> offensively? So yeah, it's brutal. And then obviously, like, I, I, I mean, if we want to transition here to quickly to Patrick Williams, who. I think showed some really nice things. He's also a little out of control, which is natural for a raw rookie. He's, he's turned the ball over quite a bit. Uh, he's uh, had some defensive plays where he's just kind of been a little out of control. He like kicked a guy in the face falling for a pump fake. But I do like some of the shots he's taking. Like He hasn't been really hesitant to shoot jumpers. He's had a, he had a few nice uh, little nifty shots around the basket, like little push floaters. I hit a few pull-up jumpers as well. I know there was uh, his first basket – I, I probably wouldn't call it a great shot, but like, I mean, he dribbled down in transition and, and just confidently stepped into a jumper. Like I said, normally I don't know if I'd love that shot from him, but I mean, the fact that he was confident shooting it, he did, he tore up garbage time last night. He made it, didn't made a nice, uh, just a bunch of nice little plays with his defense. He had three steals deflections in the, in Sunday's game. So like, I mean, I would love, I definitely would love to see him playing way more than Hutchinson at this point. I just don't really see with Hutchinson outside of some energy and defense, but uh, they went on what, that yeah, big fourth you... quarter run with the two of them together. And I'm still not totally out on Hutchison. I might be stupid for thinking that. I, I just think his offense is terrible. I, I mean, he's fine. Like you said, he's fine as like an energy guy. He's maybe like your ninth or 10th guy. But like, he's just a terrible offensive player in, in half court situations. Like, yeah, if he... the Bulls do like actually get out and run a lot when he's out on the court, like he he's he does run the floor well. He is a decent cutter at times. Just like once the game slows down, like he's just useless out there. So like if he's playing – whatever, a few minutes a game is an energy role. It's fine. It's just like, I would much rather have Patrick Williams playing his minutes. For sure. Uh, 
I'm going to guess that there's going to be enough minutes for both of them. And, you know, we'll see what the availability looks like uh, among the small forwards. Obviously, Otto. I guess, I guess also to bring this up, we did not mention this yet. Denzel already dealing with an injury, hamstring injury. And Thad Young has been out with a leg infection. Super weird. It doesn't seem like it's long-term stuff, but that has kind of given guys like Patrick Williams, Hutch, and some of these other guys towards the end of the bench a bit more uh, time to play in these preseason games. Yeah. So I'm glad you brought up Patrick Williams because I was pretty dis- I you know, we've been over it on Kobe. Like, I think he's talented, but, uh, you know, I just don't know if he's going to be able to handle the starting point guard role. So I was a little discouraged about that. Markinen, I was really discouraged about. I think he shot one for 10 in the second game from the field, yes. and that's when they won. And in the first game, on the first possession of the game, he threw a pass to the corner. I think he was looking for Levine. He threw it into, like, the fourth row of the stands. It was an <laughs> awful pass. He had another play in that game where he came around to screen and took a three that hit the top of the backboard. backboard. <laughs> it's like, oh, my God, dude. It was, like, it was actually hilarious. Uh, but he did get his offense going a little bit there in that first game. Uh, he ended 5 of 8 with 13 points. He had three threes, so... Uh, despite some like serious lowlights, he did get his offense going slightly in the first game. Second game, he was just miserable. So I've been a little discouraged about that. I've always loved Carter. And now I'm starting to get discouraged about Carter because, you know, it's more than like you just got to make a jump shot. It's like you just need to have a positive impact on the offense. And to me, uh, all of the offensive skill we've talked about with him, we just haven't really seen it take hold in the NBA. And we would be remiss if we didn't mention that Will Gottlieb wrote a great piece piece on uh, Wendell today and sort of how his role is going to be different under Billy Donovan. I thought that was really encouraging. That actually made me a little bit more optimistic than watching the first two games. Because when I watched the first two games, I'm like, man, Wendell, like, Maybe he doesn't have it either. So this is my very, I I think he has it defensively, but just offensively, it's been discouraging. So this is my very long preamble to say, thank God for Patrick Williams, because I could be totally overreacting to this, but I think Patrick Williams looks great. Uh, I think he looks great on both ends of the floor. Like you said, defensively, he was getting a bunch of deflections. Uh, He looks like he has really good anticipation instincts. Uh, Stefan No pointed out that he's a good cutter, which we also saw at Florida State. He's able to like find his way into cracks of the defense to like pick up some like opportunistic scoring chances where he doesn't really need to be pounding the ball as a dribbler to score. I think his shoot he looks really confident in his shooting ability. I tweeted out a couple shots of him making above the break threes. Uh, one is a relocation off an offensive rebound. That's super encouraging because. You know, you're thinking, well, maybe you could hit corner threes reliably at first. But if he's already stepping confidently into threes above the break, like those are difficult shots to hit at the NBA level. His second one was even like way behind the line, too. So I'm encouraged by that. I think offensively, he just has a lot of untapped potential. And uh, while he was sort of built up, I think, as a defense first prospect in the pre-draft process, uh, you know, the more you look into it, the flashes are just so enticing offensively. So I'm really excited by Patrick Williams. I think all Bulls fans should be. Uh, I was doing a national podcast last week and the guys there were just like totally bagging on Patrick Williams for not starting a game in college. And I think that if that is like the national perception of him, that he's going to prove a lot of people wrong. And I'm not saying that he's going to be like a uh, clearly above average impact player this year as a rookie. He was the youngest born American player in this draft class. But long term, I think that uh, it's it's a good thing that the Bulls took him and it's going to be exciting to watch him develop. 
Yeah, the the offensive stuff, just the fact that he's been so confident, like taking shots has been really nice to see. Again, he didn't shoot well in the second game. He was only 4-12, had some sh- struggles finishing and some some ugly turnovers, but he said he heated up a bit at the end in the end of the game in the fourth quarter. It was garbage time, but just the like I said he's his jumper looks pretty smooth. Like I said the confidence has been there taking it. Just been doing a lot of nice little things. So for such a young guy, these first couple games getting these minutes, it definitely is good to see. I'm not gonna go like fucking ape shit with it. some people who like to say that the Kawhi Leonard stuff. It's like let's chill out here. Like just let this, let this guy grow and develop. Be patient with him. And uh, like I said, I hope he has a big spot in the rotation. I think he probably should, especially if there's gonna be guys in and out of the lineup. Uh, it's, it was not it's definitely a breath of fresh air. It's, even in that first game, which was awful, like mostly awful, like Patrick Williams is one of the few bright spots there. Um, and then even the second game, even though we didn't shoot as well, he also just played, just had some nice impact plays, and that was good to see. Um, I'm trying to think of what else there really like. So we went, we talked about Lowry, we talked about Carter, like some mixed bag for them, mixed bag for Kobe. I mean, I mean, Zach looks, looks good. I, I do like seeing Zach, like not, I feel like it was noticeable that I know he still took a lot of shots, but I feel like it was noticeable that he wasn't doing a lot of just like pounding the ball and like just t- taking terrible shots. He did have a few rough turnovers, but like, it's like him in, in an off ball role and not having to dominate the ball so much. I mean, just, he just gets points so easily, uh, and I think he's he'll probably have another really nice year and score a shit ton of points and do it pretty efficiently. Just again, it, it depends on how, if the offense, how, like if they can just turn that into legitimate offense. And like the, the first game, their offense was bad. Their offensive rating was like a hundred. It was a little better overall in game two, but still wasn't that great. So like clearly, clearly still a major work in progress for this Bulls team. And again, this was against a Rockets team missing. Bunch of a few of their best players facing a lot, a lot of bums and some guys who have missed a lot of time. So like, I don't, I, I don't want to say like this like definitely means the Bulls are going to be super horrible, but uh, wasn't totally super super encouraged. But we'll see. It's it's only been a couple preseason games. Although I know I feel like a lot of people don't really have high expectations for the Bulls anyways. Uh, I guess my expectations are just that they should be competing for the play-in tournament. Uh, they will obviously have to come together quickly here to start the season against that schedule. Otherwise they could get into a big deep hole. Uh, and I guess we'll see. Did you have any other kind of leftover thoughts from these first couple games? Not really. Uh, I think that I, I want to see more of Williams and Hutchinson together. They did that in the fourth quarter of their preseason win in the second game. Uh, but yeah, man, I, my main takeaway from these two games is that it's probably going to be a long season and it's not surprising we didn't expect the Bulls to even be one of the eight best teams in the East. But, you know, uh, it's this roster. I would be really surprised if they even made a run at like the seven or the eight seed. I just don't think they have quite enough playmaking. I think the guard play is going to hold them back. And I am more unsure than ever about Carter and more unsure than ever about Markinen. And we'll see what happens. I mean, hopefully, you know, Donovan will be able to be a significant improvement over Boylan and just the coaching change alone will help everyone progress and sort of uh, look better at the end of this season than they do at the start of it. The Bulls also have been off since March, so maybe it's unrealistic to expect them to come back after a layoff that long and it'll look great right away. But I thought, I mean, I thought the first two preseason games were pretty discouraging, even though they won one of them. So uh, we'll see. Uh, for now, I'm, I'm just excited to get into the regular season. Hopefully, everyone is able to stay healthy, not just the players, but all the people, you know, in the ecosystem around the NBA. And yeah, it's it's crazy that uh, we're starting this up. 
Yeah, no, I mean, we're basically, what, a week now uh, from the start of the season, December 22nd. The Bulls start, I believe, the 23rd against the Hawks. We got two preseason games left. They got two games against the Thunder. Don't really know how much – we'll see how much the Bulls play their main guys. I, I, the Thunder, obviously, a team who is going to take a major step back this season. They still have some decent guys on the roster, but I'm really not sure how much we'll really learn from these last two preseason games against the Thunder. And then we'll dive right into the regular season against a pretty tough, damn tough schedule to open the season. And they're going to go right in the fire. And uh, even if, like I said, the expect- as we've kind of said, the expectations aren't super high here. Uh, I still am excited to see them play in real games again. And uh, like I said, hopefully they stay healthy. Hopefully nothing crazy happens with not only COVID, with other regular injuries, because we just haven't been able to see that. And hopefully we just learn a bit more about what these guys, this roster and this core. And and then hopefully the front office picks a direction, depending on how things go to start this season. So Yeah, we'll see. Like a uh, year ago at this time, I thought they were going to make the playoffs. Yeah, I know you were. So (laughs) that obviously didn't happen. And maybe that's something that plays into it. If you know, Otto Porter is available for the majority of the season. And if he's in good shape and if he performs as well as we thought he would when they originally acquired him, that could change the calculus of the season, right? Like there's a few things that could take the Bulls into a spot where the regular season is pretty competitive. But yeah, a lot of teams improved, I think, over the offseason. Bulls didn't really improve. So, you know, we'll see if uh, just making the coaching change is enough to uh, put them in a better position. Absolutely. Uh, I think that's all. I got I got nothing else. Uh, so we'll wrap it up here. As always, shout out to the Blue Wire Network. Shout out to our sponsors, Indeed and Bet Online. For us here at Cash Considerations, rate and review us. We're listening to your pods. We're on Stitcher, Spotify, uh, Google Play, Apple Podcasts. And there's, with the season starting up, all the great NBA pods across the Blue Wire Network. And then obviously with the NFL season winding down, heading into the playoffs, NFL pods. We have other great pods across the network as well. Uh, so for Chase and Ricky, this has been Cash Considerations. The Bulls are back. The Bulls are looking iffy, but we'll see again two more preseason games and the NBA, the regular season starts uh, in basically about a week. So we will talk to you guys next time, probably one more time before the start of the season. Uh, and we'll see how these next couple preseason games go. Talk to you guys later. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.